0: And our chapter for today is Luke chapter 18. Again, we are confronted with many parables, stories, teachings of Jesus that are all put together in one chapter. What I'm going to do is try to Tie a couple together thematically to help you understand that Jesus many times would teach something that seemed to be totally different and random, but indeed it was within a context of what he was trying to get across in a concentrated period to a group of people. Now, remember, These things are very important if we're going to understand the Word of God, that the Bible is not complete in details. It doesn't give us all of the backstory. It doesn't tell us many times what happened before, what happened after, because we must remember that every Bible writer from Moses to John, from the Torah, the book of instruction, the books of instruction, uh, all the way through the Revelation, that every Bible writer assumed, just, just believed that the people whom they were writing understood the language, the history, the geography, the background, and the cultural context of the day. And that's truly, most assuredly, the facts when you're reading through the Gospels because the people there were following Jesus around and they were listening to these teachings over and over again. And many times, uh, any teacher that's listening to me understands this, any parent understands this, That when we teach something, we can't just say the same thing over and over again, but many times we teach something, and then we will show our children this, or we'll teach our students this way, and then we will say in other words, and we'll teach it another way, and then we'll, through illustration or parable or another story, we'll teach it another way. Why? Because many times truths are so multifaceted that one aspect of teaching cannot get the full idea across, and this is what Jesus did when it comes to how a man is made righteous with God, because God doesn't look at the outward appearance of man like we do, but he looks on the heart. This is confluent and consistent from one end of the Bible to the other. And when you come to verse 9 of Luke 18, you have this very thing illustrated, and then we'll jump to verse 18, where it's illustrated another way, and then in verse 24, when it is illustrated another way, what thing are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about how a man is made right with God, and what it is that truly reveals his heart. And the test that Jesus put on a young man, to help him understand where his heart really lay and to reveal what were the things that were most important to him. But in verse 9 it says, And he spoke this parable. This is a parable a story cast alongside another, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, a story that could pertain to real people, but it has a spiritual meaning. And he also spoke this parable. Parabole, this parable of some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised other. He said two men went up to the temple to pray. Now, by the way, this was as common as rainwater. Remember, the Jews had rituals and routines that led to righteousness, but some did it just out of doing the rituals and were trusting in their rituals instead of God's righteousness. They understood not who God was and who they were in standing with Him. But two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, that is, a separatist, one who believed that he had to keep all of the commandments and the instructions of God as a way of salvation. They usually were filled with pride, and Jesus confronted this over and over again. So one of the two was a Pharisee, and the other was a tax collector. Now, the Pharisee was looked upon as someone who was righteous, someone who always was keeping the law and was a stickler for doing that which was righteous. And so therefore, as they looked around, they many times felt like they were more righteous than someone else. And the reason was, it was comparison. Now, let me say parenthetically that comparison is a cruel taskmaster. That is, it rarely lends itself to an accurate assessment of who we are, because the Pharisees would always compare themselves with someone that was not religious, someone who was not a, quote, keeper of the law, end quote, was not in their camp, didn't think like they did, and so that would have been an unrighteous person. And so they would have thought themselves better than that person. Or they would look at someone with all of their fault finding, they would think, okay, I'll never be as righteous as that teacher or that person. Either one lends itself to either pride or to depression to discouragement. And so we shouldn't compare ourselves with each other. Now back to the text. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus to himself, with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector who was a despised person. Many times they were cheaters and swindlers like Zacchaeus was in Jericho. And he said, this Pharisee, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Is full of himself, wasn't he? And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, Jesus said, this tax collector who had a heart toward God, who understood that he needed to be humble before God, that he didn't deserve anything, and he thrust himself upon the mercy of God instead of this righteous hypocrite of a Pharisee, a religious. Person who thought his religion was going to get him to heaven, his routines and rituals. Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. That is, the tax collector was right with God. Why? Because he had a right attitude. Outwardly, people would have said he will never make it. Inwardly, he knew who he was, and he humbled himself before God, and God exalted him. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Do you know always in the scriptures, the Bible talks about the believer, for instance, humbling himself. And it's always either in the middle voice, that is, it is reflexive. It's upon the person that needs to be humbled to humble himself. And if not, God will humble him. But we have a responsibility as believers and as non-believers to humble ourselves before God. And if not, one day we will be humbled. We need to bring ourselves low so that God can lift us up. And so this parable that Jesus talked about in these verses 9 through 14, these have to do with how a man is made right with God and God looking at the heart. Then in verse 18, it says, now a certain ruler... Ask him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, many times this is known as the story of the rich young ruler. And Jesus said unto him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. You know the commandments, Jesus said. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother. Now, this sounds a whole lot like the very things that the Pharisees said he was doing. So Jesus asked him that, and what did this man say? Just like the Pharisee, he said, All these things I have kept from my youth. Well, now, whether that was so or not, only Jesus knew. But it says, so when Jesus heard these things, it didn't say that he rebuked him or he said, uh, you're not telling the truth. To be truth of the text, Jesus could have rebuked him there, uh, but he didn't. And so let's assume that what he was saying is true because not that he did not ever lust after a woman and therefore fall under Jesus' definition of committing adultery. But let's just say that for outward purposes, he never did any of that. And when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, You still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful, for he was a very rich man. He was very rich. Now, Jesus was not establishing a new way to heaven, that a man, in order to be a follower of Jesus, had to sell everything. No, no, no. Remember the context here. He had just told this parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. He's dealing with the heart. And what Jesus did was give this man a test of the heart, not something outwardly like the Pharisee who could measure up to some outward standard, even though God really knows the heart and he knows whether that was true or not. But in these two texts, it's assumed that what they were saying was true, but also in both of these stories in this text that we have before us, this young man had a heart problem. And his heart problem was, even though all those things were true, he didn't get it. And that is, it is not about do this, do that. It is about your heart. As in the Torah, in the instruction of Moses, where Moses said the number one thing you need to do is love the Lord your God with the totality of your being, your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Same thing Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew That is the greatest thing you can do is love God with everything that's within you. In other words, that's the first thing we need to do and the greatest thing we could do. And that was not the case because this young man would not follow Jesus because he would not sell everything he had and and give it to the poor. Now, that may not be your problem. Your problem may be something else, but what Jesus is saying here is not about riches. It's about the heart. It's not about a particular sin or a particular hang-up or stronghold. It is about the heart and whether we are willing to do whatever it takes to follow Jesus. I'm telling you, we've got to get to the point of total surrender where it doesn't matter what God says, we're going to do it. And that is the way that Jesus wants us to think. That is that we follow God with everything that's within us. We love God with everything that's within us and nothing is before him. Not your wife, not your husband, not your children, not your career, not anything. Why? Because God doesn't want to be just a part of your life. He wants to be your life. He wants to be the reason for your life and you living. So as Jesus in this particular segment of scripture deals with these strongholds that are in people's lives, what he was doing was simply saying, just because outwardly it looks like you've got everything going your way, that doesn't necessarily reveal the heart. Why? Because God sees the heart. And we're going to see in the next podcast that this is exactly the case with Zacchaeus. It has to do with the heart. And if the heart is right, then the actions follow. So in all of these things, It's important that we understand that God can change a person's heart, but he has to have the heart. And the heart is not the blood pumper. It's the center of your existence, who you are, what makes you tick. It is your will. It's your emotion. It is your intellect. It is every part of you, the totality of your being. God wants you, not a part of you, but you. Why don't you let him have your life today? You'll only make a mess of it. I assure you, sooner or later, you will say, oh, that I had given my heart to God earlier. Make this earlier. Would you do that today? For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies